This is the Traversityist. I'm Gretchen Carr, creator, producer, and host. I invite you to join me on an exploration of regional culture in and around Traverse City, Michigan. The Traversityist is supported by friends. You too can become a friend. To learn more, visit TraverseCityist.com. This episode of the Traversityist is brought to you with the support of Trattoria Stella, celebrating 20 years of scratch Italian cooking, featuring local friends and farmers, an expansive beverage program rooted in relationships, and a tradition of authenticity and hospitality that will usher in the next 20 years. Visit StellaTC.com for more information and to make a reservation. Why do we live here? According to the publications that rank nice places to live and visit, the Traverse City region continues to rank highly and noted in publications like Travel and Leisure, The Smithsonian, Architectural Digest, Condé Nast, Outside, Time Out, The Wall Street Journal, and Vogue. We have some of the best main streets, some of the best beaches, some of the best places to eat and drink, the best scenic drives, the best places to buy a lake house, and one of the best places to retire. For wine, our region is rated one of the 10 best U.S. destinations for wine, one of seven underrated cities for wine lovers, one of the ultimate American wine road trips, and the accolade on repeat, an emerging wine region. Wine has become an important component in our regional culture. After all, agriculture is one of the core components of our history. For the Italians, their history, landscape, and cultural traditions can be condensed in one glass of wine. For the French, tasting wine is an art, taught from generation to generation. Wine is an essential part of what it means to be French. In Germany, Numerous festivals and customs are rooted in wine culture. While the tradition of making and consuming wine in the old world will always have a leg up on the new world, Michigan has gained notoriety as an important region for wine. But how is wine defining our culture? For Sean O'Keefe, the landscape here is part of his identity, and with that, his inherited obsession with growing grapes and making wine. For him, wine ties into everything. I met him for a conversation at the cellar of the Mari Winery on the Old Mission Peninsula. With winemaking, you're dealing with geology, you're dealing with trying to sell what you're doing, you're dealing with long history of different parts of, of Europe and the Eastern Mediterranean that have developed different grape varieties over long periods of time. So we're taking these over here and then trying to adjust them to our very pretty unique climate. I mean, we're a large inland sea with Canada above us. So we have a continental climate that's always, that's held back by a little bit of a maritime influence by the bays in uh, Lake Michigan and Lake Superior. And I don't know anywhere else in the world that has that combination besides the rest of the Great Lakes and you know, Niagara and Finger Lakes in uh, upstate New York, um, maybe Lake Balaton in Hungary. Um, but trying to um, 
use all the historical precedents before us, try to adapt them here, and still do not something necessarily new, but a new combination of things, it gets it attracts interesting people in that business. That's why you'll you'll find everything from rocket scientists to plain old farmers to you know uh, comparative lit majors like me making wine and all that. And um, I think it's what jump started everything here because then came the beer, came the bakeries, came the the small um, high end uh, produce and things. The, the the wine the winery started all that, and it goes back to. Um, what my dad did here in Old Mission and what um, you know, Bernie Rink and Larry Mobby and uh, Bruce Simpson did out in Leland on all that. And uh, no one really cared for the first th uh, 35 years, but um, you know, now we're getting a lot of prominence. I mean, I see these articles in Vogue and other things and that we're always an emerging region. Like things are starting to get good there. They've always, we've always made good wine right here. It's just that we always have to feel that um, Whoever's the latest opening a winery or other things is the first to do something great. I don't know what that is. Um, that's just the nature of people. Sean's father was the pioneering winemaker, Edward O'Keefe. After studying and learning in a German wine region similar to ours, he decided to take a gamble. And uh, found a place on the, the highest point of Old Mission Peninsula and planted 45 acres back in starting 1974, uh, primarily Riesling, which is the main grape of Germany, but also for this region as well now. Um, and then nothing happened for quite a while. Then the OPEC crisis happened and interest rates were crazy. We almost lost the winery and recession and all that. And then by the time, the we didn't really start doing well until the 90s or so. And that's when a few other wineries started out, Old Mission and Leona. And, what uh, were those? Well, when my dad started Chateau Grand Travers, um, soon around the same time, um, out in Leona, there was Good Harbor, Leona Wine Cellars, and uh, Mobby. And then there was Bernie Rinks Boscadel, which was already had vineyards, but wasn't, I think, from what I can tell, we're the first licensed commercial winery up here. Everybody has a claim that they're the first to plant a vine in their backyard. So be it, you know, but um, for being a real commercial operation and really doubling down on growing the best grapes possible for this region, which meant European varieties as opposed to uh, some of the indigenous or some of the hybrids that are grown in the eastern United States. My dad was really adamant that we want, he wanted to grow the best grapes in the world. And he proved this point because that's what everybody's planning up here now. Since that first vine was planted, there are now 11 vineyards on the Old Mission Peninsula, attracting the attention of wine lovers from all around the world. Some fall in love with the landscape and they move here. And now, the Old Mission Peninsula reflects those changes in attitudes typical of growth. Well, our township is not all that keen on making it easy for uh, wineries to be out here. They seem to think that all the traffic for, uh, is because of wine tourism. When you look at it, it's all the lawn cutters, the people going back and forth to town, um, and they want a beautiful view of cherry trees and vineyards, but they don't want any business to actually make any money. And, uh, so we're here for the make their backyards beautiful, apparently. So um, it's been a farming community from the beginning. Everybody has built houses out here with special use permits on agricultural land, but they see it the other way that the farmers are the ones getting in their way. And uh, it's just, it's changed so quickly. And I'd say half the peninsula is all um, to keep it the way it is. But what is that? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a impossible vision. The cherry orchards are going away. 
unless we want just housing and more garage mahals and things like that, um, we need to have our agriculture that's able to make money out here, and it is agro-tourism and things like that. Laws that limit sound and volume and certain things that are don't change uh, on a whim are what's needed. I think there needs to be parameters and things, but they have to be realistic. Many of the fields and orchards on Old Mission have become, or are becoming, new neighborhoods. The people that have moved into these new neighborhoods have brought architectural styles borrowed from other geographic regions. I mean, I was born in 1970, I moved up here in 1974, so I saw it, you know, change quite a bit to what it is now, especially in a lot since, year, you know, the, the millennium change, I think it's really picked up pace, and then with COVID, with all the people from South Bend and Chicago moving up here and things. Um, I remember, remember for a while, I don't know if it was in the 80s when that Northern Exposure show was popular about Alaska. So everybody decided that we were going to be Alaska because that was cool. So we had Grizzly Peak and all these mountains and, and things, and we don't have mountains around here. And then everybody got into a Cape Cod mode, you know, with um, cultured field stone. And then you'll see some buildings downtown that, which are a little Alaska, a little Cape Cod, and a little mod, you know. And, and, with, and then now it looks like... Um, like some kid who's trying to rebuild Grand Rapids on Roblox, you know, like um, with all this brick veneer buildings, it's, um, it's, it's not pretty. Um, but the landscape is what draws everybody here, was this hopefully not um, mess it up too much. The rural landscape surrounding Traverse City is dotted with small towns and family farms. Many of those farms still remain, with descendants of those first pioneers farming the same plots. In place of the farms that no longer stand, there is new development. Some of the new development honors the past by incorporating salvaged architectural elements. The tasting room at the Mari Winery, where Sean serves as the winemaker, is one of those examples. You can tell the history of the region if you go up in our tasting room upstairs, all the beans and things are from all the barns and things that were um, taken down to make room for malls and road expansion south of town. At one point, I was worried that South Airport Road was gonna connect to 28th Street from Grand Rapids and all we would have is like chain stores all the way down for the next two hours. Hasn't happened yet, not that people aren't trying. Some things are positive. Kingsley, I mean, look at it. Kingsley's really kind of um, looking pretty good these days with their street beautyscapes and things and all because people can't afford to live in Traverse City, so their Elk Rapids is kind of neat. I mean, here Northport has, it's having this big revival now, so, but Maple City and it, there's a lot, I, I don't want to be such a downer, it's just that it's, um, we're such a beautiful area that you'd think that, uh, like when you go to, a, I have friends in Germany that live in a place called Lindau on the um, Lake Constance or Bodensee, however you want to call it, and it's almost like a sister city of this town. It's just like a little place that's surrounded by water and all that. And it's, you know, it's Germany and even with all the situations in the last, you know, wars and everything, it's just the architecture makes you feel like you want to be there, that people will still be in there and people care. Where here it feels it's, you know, I mean, I don't need to belabor a point. People can just tell by looking at all the development down there. It's pretty grim. <laughs> While some could perceive Sean's perspective as negative, one could say that it is simply rooted in terroir, a French term meaning soil and land. 
Despite what he calls grim development in certain areas, Sean has noticed some efforts are being made to honor and preserve the history and authentic character of our region. Well, some of the, the cooler things were, I, I like what the Jonas family did with the Little Fleet and Farm Club. I mean, that's very hip and very modern, but it's also very, they're trying to ground it here in Northern Michigan and make a place that really is here and not trying to be somewhere else. I was just out in Glen Arbor and um, some people have renovated that mill just north of town. And yeah, it's very expensive and very appealing to people reach well magazine and all that, but it's pretty cool. Not only do these new places give nod to our cultural heritage, they also serve as gathering places that foster connectivity and more importantly, a sense of identity. Another example of this is the former state hospital. While the hospital was established for the care of the mentally ill, its use expanded during outbreaks of tuberculosis, typhoid, diphtheria, influenza, and polio. It also cared for the elderly, served as a rehabilitation for drug addicts, and was used to train nurses. The other thing I'd, I'd say what the Minervinis did with the, um, the mental hospital downtown, they would have uh, ripped that thing down to expand months and all that. This town never, I think it would have taken a very different direction. That's beautiful buildings, and yeah, it was a mental hospital at one point, but it wasn't necessarily all tales of woe and sorrow. It was a pretty progressive place, and the, build, the, the buildings were built to last for a long time, and that's why I just don't see anywhere, not just in Traverse City, but anywhere, where people build things just as, as cheap as possible that um, just won't last that long, and won't last past you know 20 years, and that's kind of, um, it's sad, and you can tell. You go to places like um, Marquette and all that, I mean, they have those big old warehouse buildings or Manistee and all that. I mean, it's, um, they have a little bit more going on in that direction, but Trevor City's got, it's such a beautiful location. I mean, let's just try to do our best here. <laughs> Are we doing our best? Sean sees that our region has been positively impacted by preservation efforts and arts initiatives, particularly with the culinary arts. To me, the, the, the big changing point where I felt a big turn happened is when um, they kept building 50 from being demolished. Uh, Trotteria Stella uh, opened up and was, and basically, I remember they um, were, they had hired their staff months before they opened to train them. I mean, the floors weren't even poured yet. And I, there was people that were making bets they were gonna go out of business within six months. These were people in the wine trade and all that. and. The level of service and the, the, the care, people totally responded to that and it's still doing well to this day. Cook's House, you know, a, a little place like that. It's, it, it, a town of our size, they have two pretty, you know, famous chefs that all of a sudden, you know, have a little 25, if you really push it, seated place and make it work uh, is a success. And then um, I, whether you care for the politics of the man or not, the film festival that Michael Moore uh, spearheaded was a really cool thing. We had the world premiere Borat here. Imagine that. I mean, <laughs> it's, and you know, walking downtown and seeing Malcolm McDowell and Matthew Modine and things, and they were all smitten by this town because people really didn't know who they were and, you know, small town America. I don't know if it's quite like that anymore, but oh well. Um, and uh, those things kind of made this place interesting. And then I love it, you know, but with it also comes all the, the, the horrible bank buildings downtown and the, the 
just lack of imagination that kind of belies that we're actually kind of an interesting place. <laughs> but then all the hotels started charging $1,000 a night. The, all the, the Airbnb thing, which I think is destroying the over-tourism of the world and the Airbnb things, for all the options it offers is destroying communities. I have no, I strongly feel that. I, I spent a lot of time in Anna Maria Island when I, I lived for six years there. And that island's been completely turned into little Traverse City Airbnb. They're closing down the elementary school because there's no kids there anymore. And I see it uh, in all kinds of places and it's happening here as well. Um, but no, no one can afford to live in Traverse City, so a lot of people moved away. You know, we had, um, I think a lot of, some have stayed, you know, and, and uh, I think it's great. It is younger than it was, but it's still um, not a town where you see a lot of people in their early 20s, early, early 20s, early 30s hanging out all that much. I don't think so. Certain entities have marketed a particular set of lifestyles unique to the Traverse City region. The demand for this lifestyle now comes with a substantial price tag. Well, with COVID, I, I don't know what's going on anymore because people moved up here and didn't go back. And I think it's, there's all those changes are, we're seeing them happen now and I don't know what direction it's gonna go in. Um, you know, some of the things like, yeah, Glen Arbor is not the place I remember it, but I really like that mill place that they opened up. It's very hipstery and all that, but it's, they did a beautiful job on it. So what's not to like about that? So with development, it's the good development. The thing is, you better make sure you have a lot of money here because what, two coffees and two pastries was 27 bucks, so. When Sean lived in other places, it was difficult for him to not think about home. I, when people asked me when I was over in Germany and Italy, like, where are you from? They really wanted to know if it's important that you identify where you come from. And I said, I come from a town in uh, Michigan, or Michigan, as they would call it. And they had no idea. You think that the people always told me that the Europeans are really good at geography. They know where New York City is and Los Angeles, Route 66 in the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls. And that was about it. And Michigan was either cars or they had visions of like Robocop or something like that, you know, um, in the ruins of Detroit. Um, and uh, nobody really knew where Michigan was until, um, I remember Kalkaska made international news because they tried to close down their school districts so they didn't feel like paying for it anymore. That made international news. And then soon afterwards, Timothy McVeigh is also a Michigan resident and that made the world news. But I digress. In any case, um, I told them how beautiful it was and everybody just kind of nodded their head thinking I was talking about some big cornfield area. And they came to visit and they were gobsmacked by how pretty it was the water. You can't go to a European beach about a thousand people on every square inch and here just shoreline after shoreline. And you have all the development and um, all the people coming up here. There's so, it's going to take a long time before all those beaches are discovered and I'm really happy about that. The establishment of the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore is without question the single greatest act of land preservation that has impacted our region. Can you imagine it trying to happen today? The Governor Milliken, a Republican, seizing land by eminent domain to make something that future generations are going to benefit from. If I was one of those families, I know a lot of the families that um, had the land out there. 
I would have fought it tooth and nail, but it's one of the things that underpins this whole region. It's one of the greatest things that uh, uh, a governor ever and the, and the powers that be pushed through. And uh, our, our area would not be the same if that had not happened. That would never happen today. I mean, it, it, it's, it's uh, and that's sad. Not that you want government seizing huge tracts of land unwilly-nilly, but that area is so unique and worthy of being saved, and I'm glad that um, it worked out the way it did. In the years prior to the establishment of the park, things were pretty quiet. Many of the cottages and seasonal homes were modest or hidden from view. Now the secret is out, and we have all noticed the prominence of elaborate dwellings, but the old guard is still keeping watch. I've always noticed Charm has been a place where people retired early in their 50s or early 60s. It was like that when I moved here. It's honestly, it's still like that. From uh, the auto industry? It used to be the auto industry or uh, all the, um, you know, the. then there's also like the affluent communities where the, the generational wealth from Ohio, that like up in Harbor Springs or Old Mission Point here or Northport where People that had, you know, made huge amounts of money in the, you know, the, the early industrial revolution, and um, that's always been going on. But it's been an older community, and it still is. And while our community of retirees has a strong collective voice, many recognize the need for diverse housing stock if we want to keep and attract young people to our city and the region. We are not the only community with this problem. Traverse City has always been low-key, but in recent years, Sean has seen a shift there as well. I, I've noticed a lot of big trend. Like when I, I remember going to, when I went to the high school here and all that, you rarely saw a kid show up in a Mercedes or a BMW or something like that. There weren't ostentatious shows of wealth back then. I remember there was one girl that drove like a convertible and that was a big deal. Whether it was COVID or people just wanting to live here because it's nice, the lifestyle that embodies this place has been heavily marketed and it's working. So I'm not anti-development or change or things like that. I, I tend to agree that this is a much more interesting place than when I first moved back here from Germany in the late 90s after being away for a while. There's good restaurants, there's um, all kinds of things that I think there's a lot of positive developments, but it's all very expensive. And I, um, the land prices and the, the inability for people who are not, don't have generational wealth and other things, um, we're losing those people, I really see that. Uh, but that's, that's not just Traverse City, that's anywhere that's pretty in the world is being developed. There's gotta be some reasonable thought and curtailment of Airbnbs and things. It's just, when you become just a tourist economy, then you're also susceptible, if we ever have another big recession, it's gonna hit this town hard. So we're all, it's boom times right now, but that might not always be such. We need diversification. I'm glad that when I go to the restaurants in Chicago, I see, well, they'll say Burt Farms, or that, that actually, the wine industry has kind of spread to all the foods and things around here, and we have a, a, a good reputation for being a good foodie area and all that. Maybe it's a little overblown, but um, for a little town, I think we punch above our weight. Um, and that stuff's all great, but that also that ties in the tourist economy and things like that, but we don't have workers. Like, it's a big vicious circle. You know, well, we need a good 
housing, people have been talking about that from the beginning. That really is one of the key things here. Affordable places that people can live and and not go bankrupt living here. How to solve that in a world, in a country that we don't want to do anything uh, and no one can agree on anything. What can the people of Traverse City agree on? What can the people of the Grand Traverse region agree on? Perhaps we should all sit down and share a bottle of wine with a winemaker, ask questions, and listen. Well, I mean, the way with their, they're talking, maybe everybody will make money off skimming ATM fees and no one has to work anymore. I don't know. Somebody's got to make something somewhere. I make something from scratch. I make, I grow grapes. I mean, I'm one of the few people I know that makes something where I grow it from the dirt all the way to the end. I'm telling stories. Yeah. But how valuable is that? So actually, that's the glue that keeps, you know, that's, that's what I do with wine. Wine is why, uh, I mean, yeah, at one point it's just fermented grape juice, but also it's one of those things that people typically drink wine with other people. They, um, when you talk about wine, you talk about your travels and why wine tastes from the place where it's from. It's one of those things that's really necessary for a community like this because we make stuff that's different that no, that no one else makes it like us. And in the past, we always were kind of belittling ourselves because it's a Midwestern thing to always think that the coasts or wherever um, is where everything's at. Um, but we have a really unique climate here and you can taste it in some of the produce and especially in the wine. And those things are, are needed. Um, but that's why I mentioned architecture. I'm not, yeah, I am a little bit snobby and have opinions about everything and all that, but it's one of those things that makes a place unique as opposed to looking like Little Grand Rapids or, or um, you know, Generico build. And um, wherever we can, either preserve or enhance, we should be encouraged, you know, encourage people to do that. I'm Gretchen Carr. Thanks for listening to The Traverse Cityist. This episode of The Traverse Cityist was brought to you with the support of Trattoria Stella, celebrating 20 years of scratch Italian cooking, featuring local friends and farmers, an expansive beverage program rooted in relationships, and a tradition of authenticity and hospitality that will usher in the next 20 years. Visit StellaTC.com for more information and to make a reservation.